Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer this morning, and we'll get into our morning message. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for all that you've done for us. And Lord, uh, again, the the thought of uh, giving us eternal life, the thought of uh, the salvation and the forgiveness of sins, and Lord, just the, to sit and meditate upon it for a moment or more just boggles our minds about how great a gift that is. And Lord, I pray that we would never lose sight of that. We'd never lose sight of uh, what you've done, what you've given, your grace, your mercy, your love. I pray, Lord, that as we look at uh, this verse this uh, this morning and look at the other passages, Lord, about what you've done for us, that, Lord, we would just come with an understanding That as we worship you this Christmas day, that Lord, the greatest gift has always been you. Uh, Nothing will ever compare to what you are, who you are, what you've done, what you've given so freely. And Lord, I pray that we would just keep that not just at this time of year, but throughout our entire life. That, Lord, we would constantly be reminded of the unspeakable gift. And thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit will just continue to work in our hearts this morning. And I ask this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a verse at the very end of this chapter that is a very powerful verse. It's one that if we begin to spend any moment of time thinking about, we begin to realize exactly how unspeakable that gift is that God gave. And right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15, Now, Paul has gone through and talked about a lot of things uh, through this book so far. But right there at that very last verse, verse 15 of the chapter, he says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. This is one of those, if you will, very profound, very direct verses. It's very simple to understand yet very complex when we begin to think about everything that is tied to it. As we begin thinking about the gift of God, as we begin thinking about how we give thanks for it, as we begin to realize the unspeakable nature of it, we begin to understand that that, that we have very little, if you will, words in the English language to begin to, to describe it. Uh, when we, when we begin to think about gifts, we realize that there's been so many great gifts that have been given. You know, we think about maybe a gift that has been given at a birthday or at an event or maybe a gift that has been given at Christmas time. You know, um, I, I think about gifts that have been given to me by my folks and my parents when I was younger. Uh, I, 
may not seem significant for you, but it was for me. It obviously had a direct impact in my life. I remember the, the, the first Lego set I got. I still have it. I, it just, it's one of those things. I remember the first large Lego set that I got. And I still have it. And I just remember how, how important that was. I mean, I, yeah, I got a bunch of other things, but man, I remember that Christmas I got that set. And I was excited. And the other toys were fine, but I, man, I wanted to, I wanted to get that one opened as fast as possible. I was excited about it. When's the last time you got a gift that, that, that you just kept thinking about? You just, I mean, you, you, you just, no matter what it was, you just, it was a gift that you look at and you go, wow. You just get a gift that just, is perfect for, for you. Somebody sat down and took time and effort, thought about what you would want, thought about what you would like, Engaged, you know, in the active cognitive thought process to purchase it and acquire it, to give it. So many times, you know, we live in a day and age in a society where gifts are just so casually given. Without meaning. When we, when we realize what God's done with the, the gifts, gifts are given with purpose. God always gives a gift with a purpose. And I want to talk about that. Here we are looking at this unspeakable gift. What's the purpose behind the gift? We know that he loves us, but what's the purpose? You know, we talk about a gift and to define a gift as anything where the ownership, property, or rights is voluntarily transferred by one to another without any type of compensation. It's free. We, we, we There's so many verses that begin to pop into our mind about what we have been given that is is free. Without merit without purchasing on our part. But it's something that is given to us. Somebody doesn't give a gift and then turn around and go, oh, by the way, I'm going to want that gift back in three days. I'm going to want that gift back, uh, you know, in, in next year. Uh, I'm going to want that one back. Well, that's not a gift. They're letting you borrow it. Aren't you glad your salvation isn't borrowed? Aren't you, aren't you glad that your salvation, uh, wasn't a lease to own? Isn't rented? We, we realize that that's, that's what God has given to us as a gift. No strings attached. Just given. All of it is transferred to us. We think about what it means to be unspeakable. It means beyond expression. It doesn't mean we don't talk about it. Well, I talk about the gift of God a lot. We should talk about the gift of God a lot. It should be at the forefront of our mouth. It should be at the forefront of our minds. It should be constantly uh, uh, engaged in our heart on a day-to-day basis when we think about what God has done for us. Uh, but, but, but when it comes to the expression of it, how in the world can I express it? 
To be unspeakable means that it's beyond expression of words. It's beyond description in the human language. Or at least in its very form, it's very, very limited. How can we begin to describe eternal life when we've never lived it? How can we begin to describe the forgiveness of sins when forgiveness is so hard for us? We begin to realize that with all of this, it's beyond that expression. For a while there, there was this fake quote that was running around that was something that Alexander Hamilton said to Thomas Jefferson about there was X number of millions of words in the English language, but none can adequately describe how much I want to hit you with a chair. Um, now, again, that, that was never said. It was something that somebody made up and, and kind of assigned to various different people. It's like when Abraham Lincoln said, don't believe everything on the Internet. So um, <laughs> some of you will get that tomorrow. <laughs> but, 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 you, but you understand. I, you know, he was the, the the idea behind why that person was making that quote was uh, was to express their frustration with an individual. But I, I look at this and I, and, and I can't. I, how how can I begin to express the love of God towards me? In that while I was a sinner, He would die for me, and that He would give Himself for me. That it would be born in the flesh for me, for my sins, so I wouldn't have to face death. Becomes beyond expression. We take a look at the context of this chapter, and as you go up, you know, the context begins right there in verse six, where he says, but this I say, uh, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything, to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God, for the administration of this service, not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. While by experiment of his ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection uh, unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. You know what we begin to realize here? We begin to realize that this whole concept is about giving. This whole context is about giving. It's about what we give to one another. It's about what God has given to us. 
And here we are looking at this, and as he's talking about this process, that he talks about their zeal beforehand in the previous verses, first five verses, and saying, look, now's the time to do what you said you were going to do. And he says you need to be doing it liberally. You need to be doing it to a point of where you're freely giving. All of these things, we begin to realize that there's this, uh, this undescribable, beyond expression gift that is being given to us by God, and, and we see the example that's here. How God gave. How he showed bountifully in verse 6 with his shed blood. How he showed bountifully with his resurrection. How he showed bountifully by coming in the flesh so that we may be sons of God. And we see all of that over there in, in John chapter 1 and throughout throughout the, the New Testament. We see all of this. The, 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 there is a bounty that comes because of it. We see thousands trusting Christ in the first few chapters of Acts. We see it starting to dwindle down as it begin, God begins to focus and show the more individual nature of evangelism and, and, and working with people and and showing people the the need but here we are looking at what 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 God's showing us here he's showing how bountiful it is as it's bountiful in our life it should be bountiful as we freely give it to others we see here in verse 7 that it says every man according as he is purposed in his heart when you give a gift you purpose it in your heart you purpose it in your heart. Now, sometimes, you know, again, like I said, in this day and age, it's just a matter of you know, whatever we can find that, that, that fits into a box and we just wrap it up and give it to somebody. Salvation isn't like that. You realize salvation was tailored to you? Salvation was tailored to your need? Salvation was tailored to your sin. How much, how big, how horrible salvation was tailored to you. He purposed it. He purposed to give it. He purposed it before he even created the earth. He purposed it before he created mankind. He purposed it. To be given. How many thousands of years did he spend purposing through the lineage of David, through the demonstration of, of, of his power and his might to purpose to us a gift? And here he is saying that this is what what God has done for us, but we at the same time, we need to understand that when we give gifts, we are purposing it in our heart. We find that in verse 7. We also find in verse 7 the concept of, of God giving it cheerfully. We talked about this morning the, the joy of the cross. But you know, God cheerfully gave it. He wasn't holding it back. You know, it's difficult when you've got somebody that's, uh, you know, got a gift and they want to give it to somebody, 
But then they're wanting it for themselves and they're holding it back. And they give it and they're like, ah, oh, I really don't want to. It's just, nah. That's not a cheerful giver. I, I've heard this passage preached on giving money so many times in my life. But let's understand this. This isn't about giving money. Aren't you glad that the unspeakable gift, God gave it with cheerfulness? That he, 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 he gave it because he wanted to give it. He wanted to see your reaction when you opened that gift and you trusted Christ as your Savior. When we think about that for a minute, you know, we give gifts and we want to see the reaction when we give it. We're doing, getting ready to do that re-gift exchange. Look, it's not always about the gifts that are in there. It's about the hilarity of the reactions. Amen, crafting with cat hair. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and the reactions. Yeah, I will never forget Joanne Norman laughing so hard she's crying. I thought she was going to fall out of the chair. <laughs> she was so excited about that gift. <laughs> like, who gets excited about crafting with cat hair? <laughs> She was laughing so hard. Everyone else starts laughing. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a beautiful thing to see that. It's just a beautiful thing. You know, I, I, I just sit there and wonder about, you know, how Jesus talks about, you know, the, the, the sinners rejoicing when one sinner repents. Can you just imagine the anticipation? As they're, as they're just watching. And they're watching, and they're watching as that sinner's sitting there going, and they're going through the wrestling, and the, the Holy Spirit's just working and working and working and working. And then, then all of a sudden, he, he, that, that, that sinner just turns and says, Oh, God, I need you. Save me. Oh, God, I want to turn to you. And there's praise. And there's angels shouting, Hallelujah! And they're getting excited about it. Waiting for that reaction. Waiting for that moment when somebody trusts Christ. Waiting for the moment when the sinner comes to the Savior. Waiting for the moment when the saint that has backslidden comes back. Waiting for the moment when that that saint says, I need to turn back to Jesus. All those things... What a great gift it is. What a great, great, great gift. Cheerfulness. I'll tell you one thing that should always happen with a gift. Verse 11 is it should cause Thanksgiving. Do you ever get one of those gifts that you just kind of do the, the thank you that's kind of like, yeah. You know, like somebody hands it to you and you, and they hand you the gift and you're like, oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> you. You ask it with a question, like, do I need to say thank you for this? You know, you're looking to other people for some sort of approval and all of them are like, mm. <laughs> you know, they're waving you off, like, no, don't look at me. 
Don't even, don't even, don't drag me into this. You know, there should be in verse 11, it says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes us, causeth through us thanksgiving to God. This, this idea of giving, this idea of what is to be given, what God gives us should cause thanksgiving in your life. God gave you life this morning. Did you thank him for it? God gave you safety when you, you, you came here. You made it through the ice skating parking lot. Did you thank him for it? You smack into a signpost at the end of your driveway and dent your wife's car. And you thank God for it. <laughs> Could have been a lot worse. <laughs> Could have been a lot worse. You thank God that you got insurance to cover it. You're like, well, my insurance rate's going to go up. I don't care. (laughs) Thank God for it. Here we are on a Sunday. The whole rest of the world's got the day off. We're in church, worships in Jesus Christ for what he's done and what he's given us. Are we thankful for it? Man, you just think about it. You know, this day and age, you take a look at the unthankfulness of the generations that are out there. People are not thankful for what they have. They're not thankful for the freedom that people fought for for this country. They just want to throw it all away for an emotional response. They want to throw it all away to do whatever they want to do. But you can't do what you want to do. As long as God's not brought up in any of it, you can do whatever you want to do. Just don't mention God. This world is not about thankfulness. But I'll tell you, I'll tell tell you one thing that is very clear is here we are in a church. We should be thankful. Man, we should be thankful we have a church. There's some places where there is no Bible-believing church that you can go to. you got to go to some place that's just kind of like, I don't even know what this is, but I wouldn't call it church. And you come to people that 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 you think maybe some of them are believers. Maybe. But as a majority, everybody's there for their flesh. Everybody's there because it's they don't want to be on Facebook and they just want to network. Are we thankful for what God's given us that, 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 that we have church members, members of the, of the body of Christ that we can come to and be encouraged by? Are you thankful or there's other people here today? Did you walk in this morning and see Gary waving us down to stop us from going up the hill with the little cones that are out there that were very festive with the red, white, and blue? <laughs> <laughs> We're thankful for that. Thank God for Gary. Got to walk in. Saw Dan. (laughs) Nobody said amen, all right. I was waiting for something, man. I was waiting for something. Thank God for Dan. There you go. (laughs) 
got to hear piano being played this morning by our piano players. Thank God for that. And God, you weren't relying on me to lead songs. Mike Griffey made it here. Thank God. You know, that's a gift. I look at each one of you as a gift. I look at my family as a gift. And it's all a gift that's brought because of the shed blood of Christ. Because of what He's done for us. That gift should cause thankfulness. That gift should cause thankfulness. What, what, what God gives us is beyond our expression. You know, you go to Romans chapter 6. Take a look at Romans 6. I mean, these are verses that we're familiar with. Romans 6, verse 23. We should have this one memorized. What does it say there? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life. How, again, as I said, how can you begin to express what eternal life means to you? How can you, would you expect a three-year-old to express the gift of, say, somebody giving a three-year-old a 2002 somewhat used but in good condition Porsche 911? What is the three-year-old going to do with that? They're not going to do anything. I mean, on the other hand, if I was to try to give it to to somebody that may know something about it. Let's say I was to give it to Caleb. He doesn't have it. Do you have your driver's license yet? You wouldn't want it. It's free. Take it. He's like, he's holding out for the GTR, right? There you go. He's holding out for the GTR. Well, you're not getting a GTR, sorry. Unless it's Lego or Hot Wheels, you're not getting a GTR. <laughs> you know, you, you, you just give it to someone, right? And they're going to enjoy it. They'll take it. Silas will take it. Yeah. Do you want him to have it? <laughs> He's like, oh, he'll ruin it. But you again, I mean, you, you give it to to a teenager that may have some inkling about it. But what's the general rule is like, you know, you're giving a, a child a, a powerful sports car for the very first car. You're sitting there going, "What are you going to do? You're going to wreck it." Do they fully understand the concept behind it? We like to think when we're fifty, maybe we might understand the concept of a good gift like that. But then that 50-year-old immediately reverts back to the 17-year-old child with his driver's license for the first time. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You can't trust anything about it. How are we to express for the God the gift of eternal life that was given through Jesus Christ? How can we do that? Well, all we can say is it's unspeakable. But I have that gift. But I have that gift. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we always talk about, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's God's gift. It's God's gift. What is that? Salvation. Saved from sin. Saved from death. Saved from perishing forever. Redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Take a look at Romans chapter 12. And I want you to see this here. In Romans chapter 12. And he he talks a lot about this over there in the book of 1 Corinthians. And time would escape us to talk about those gifts. But but in Romans chapter 12, and is part of that transformed mind in verse 6, he says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, and he continues to go on. But I want us to understand is that we each have a different gift. Not only does he give us gift of salvation, gift of eternal life, gift of forgiveness of sins, he doesn't stop there. He didn't stop there. He just keeps giving. He's not even waiting for Christmas to give this one. He gives it. In your life, and again, people have different gifts and people have different abilities and they're given of God. They're given of God. Any, any ability and talent you have is, is, is given by God. It's given by God. I mean, we begin to realize, that, you know, some people, some people have got a gift of management. They're good managers. Some people were not given that gift. They're just not. Some people, some people are, are, are given gifts of leadership. Others are not. Some are given, you know, amazing artistic talents or musical abilities. Others are not. Some people are given a, a, a gift to be able to understand and read things and then teach and communicate. Others are not. But what we find here is we find that these gifts are different. Sometimes when it was me and my brother, we'd get, we'd we'd get the same gift sometimes. The folks would be like, oh, we're going to give it to one of them. And then it was like, oh, no, well, we need to give it to the other one, too. We give this one, then that one's going to be jealous and and, and or, or envious and, 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 and uh, you know, it's going to cause division or something like that. You know what? To be honest with you, the, the gifts that were the same, those were okay. But the gifts that were different were the ones that were more important. My brother didn't get a Lego set when I got that big yellow castle that I was all excited about. He got something else. I think he got like a Playmobil pirate ship or something like that. I don't remember. But I was just so happy with that. Dad's over there frustrated trying to put that pirate set together for my brother. I'm over there. My mom's trying to help me build this Lego set. She's getting frustrated with Lego. 
like the instructions are simple. There's no words. It's like Ikea. But, you know, you just, I just sit there and I think about that. And I think about how God has given us so many different things. Aren't you glad we're not all the same? Aren't you glad there's a Mike Nemeth? Few people, amen. <laughs> Aren't you glad there's a there's a Craig Shelton and a Josh Smith and a Dale Timmons? I'm glad. I'm glad they're not all me. I'm glad I'm not them. I'm not saying that their life is worse or better, but I'm just going to say, you know what? They've got different things. They've got different things. And I'm so glad that God continues to do that. And every single believer is different. A different capability, a different ability within each one. All of these things and, and, and to, to create all of that for, for His body and for His workmanship to, to bring Him praise, honor, and glory. He says, what do we have? Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. God working in our life. God working in each one of our lives. As I said over there in, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, it talks a lot about it in chapter 12 and chapter 14. I want to take a look at two verses with that in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. And I want to point this out. In verse 1 specifically, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So many times people are ignorant of what God's given them. They're ignorant of what God's given them. They've lost, if you will, the ability to discern what God has shown to them. What God has, has so much given to them. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be ignorant of the gift of salvation. We shouldn't be ignorant of the gift of God's grace in our life on a day-to-day basis. Giving us those abilities, giving us the capability, giving us the thought, giving us the wisdom, giving us the understanding and the knowledge. We should never, never be ignorant of that. Ignoring it. Ignoring it. Take a look at First Corinthians 14. And in verse 12, he says there, he says, Even so uh, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. See, you want to know what the best gift is? The fact that you can edify someone else. How about, how about desiring that? Well, I want the ability to call fire down from heaven. You would misuse it. You would. It's like winning the lottery. You'd blow it the first day. I mean, there would be like so many incidences on I-5, it wouldn't be funny. I mean, it just... We don't want that. Well, I want want the ability to get up there and, and preach. Well, we're all commanded to preach. We're all commanded to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can do it whether you're stammering and stuttering, or you can give it whether you're a great orator, it didn't matter. 
whether you're Paul, which is rude in speech, or Apollos, who is a, an orator, didn't matter. God still used them both, right? But I'll tell you this. He says, you, you want to be desirous of gift? How about desiring that you would just be able to edify somebody? It's not the flashy gift. It's the practical gift. It's the one that will get used. Not the one that goes up on the shelf. Not the one that just becomes a knick-knack. But the one that is used day after day after day. I want to take a look at one more verse here in Proverbs chapter 17. And I want to point this out. There's a lot more I could say about gifts. I could go on and on and on and on about gifts. But I think the greatest gift that God has given to us beyond, beyond anything that man could ever do is the gift of salvation, obviously. But it's the gift of being able to give to someone else. You realize that's the purpose why God gave you gifts? It's so you could give it to someone else. First Peter 4.10 talks about that. A gift that you are given is not to be held. It is to be given to someone else. Not like a re-gift, because you still partake of it, but you give of it. God gave you salvation. You freely show somebody else how they can have it. God gives you the ability to edify. You edify so that the person next to you can edify someone else. Not you back, but someone else. In, in Proverbs chapter 17, in verse number 8, Proverbs 17, 8, it says, A gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it. Whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. You ever see that precious stone? You hold it up to the light. You hold it up to Jesus Christ. You turn it. Everywhere you look, it's just beautiful. Shines the light through. Turning it over in your hands, and it's a, it's a precious stone. You realize that's one of the things that you're supposed to build with over there in 1 Corinthians 3? Many times those precious stones are related to the individuals that you have contact with. The nation of Israel was categorized by precious stones. We see that over and over and over again. God uses the same thing. So I want us to focus on this. If we're building the way God's telling us to build, according to 1 Corinthians 3, we take the precious stones. You know what that is? We're building with edification. God's given us the ability to edify. We take a look at this and we say, it's a gift. We look at the person next to us and we go, you're a gift. 
And you know what? God's given me a gift to give to you. I want to edify. And that person then says, oh man, that's a great gift. I don't want to just hold on to this gift. I want to go look for another precious stone so I can shine the light of Jesus in them. And what do they do? They go and do the same thing. Over and over and over again. I'm fully convinced that uh, as you go through there and you read those uh, gold, silver, and precious stone, it's all about what God gives. Gold is the glory of God. What are we doing for His glory? Silver is talking about redemption and the Word of God. And what are we doing with the Word of God and the the Word of life and the redemption that we have, that we already have uh, been freely given to Him? What are we doing with our own personal life as a precious stone? Is it prospering with us however it will? Is the light shining through Yet, are we edifying somebody else? Are we shining light into, of Jesus Christ into their life? We see this over and over and over again throughout Scripture. Gifts that wind up being given to someone else. And you know what? That's why we're here today. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. You realize if Jesus Christ never came, there would be no Christmas. If Jesus Christ never came, we wouldn't be here. If nobody ever told you about Jesus Christ, you wouldn't be here. It'd just be another day. Another day. But we're here because of how great a God we have. The unspeakable gift. You know what? Paul tells Timothy over there, he says, you know what? Don't neglect that gift. He tells him in in 1 Timothy, and in 2 Timothy, he tells him, you got to stir it up. Gifts are not meant to be neglected. Gifts are meant to be used. And they require frequent stirring. Constant stirring. You're making a dish and it says stir constantly. What happens if you don't stir constantly? It gets ruined. Burns. Turns out to be a disaster. And you wonder, why why did it turn that way? Because you didn't stir it. Those gifts that God gives us are not to be neglected. They're not to be, if if you will, inactive. They're supposed to be constantly stirred up inside of us through the Word of God, through edification with others, through searching and desiring to know the will of God and Him in our life. This is what we do. We're here on a Christmas day with the greatest gift, salvation. We're here today with the greatest gift, perfect, preserved Word of God. We're here today with members of the body of Christ. We've got a great gift. Let's not neglect it. Let's give it freely. Let's make sure we're giving it with purpose. And above all, let's make sure we're giving it with cheerfulness so that people can give thanks to God for that.
God's gift to us. The more you dig, the more you realize I cannot fully express how great it truly is. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the time. And Lord, I thank you again for the gift. Thank you for salvation. I thank you for your word. I thank you for eternal life. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for you as you continue to work in our lives. The, the, the volume of which, Lord, as the, as the hymn talks about, can never, never be fully expressed. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here. Thank you for the gift of friendship, the gift of knowing them, the gift of being co-laborers, fellow soldiers, members together of the body of Christ. Lord, may we never neglect that gift. Lord, may it be stirred up in us constantly. May we edify each other with the comfort, the just the compassion, the care that you've given to us with the gift you've given. Lord, may we give that so freely to one another. I thank you again, Lord, for the time that we've had. We pray, Lord, we just continue to lift up your, who you are, your name, your word, and praise as we close. And I ask and I pray this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.